0: Colossians 3. I told you last week, uh, and it won't end today, that I really didn't want to rush through what I believe to be some of the more important teachings about salvation. I believe there is a, a counterfeit being projected on this earth where There are people who believe that they're saved, and truly, they're not. Is that my place? Is that my job to look at you and say, you're saved and you're lost? No. I told you last week that that will be done in the the separation between the wheat and the tares. And that the Father and the angels, they'll do that at a given time. When you die, the Bible makes it very plain and clear that if you know him and uh, he's in you, you will go to be with him in glory. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. My concern is that you understand not only that you're saved, but that your are position in Christ. Because so often, I believe that we have so many different beliefs coming at it that because we don't really understand what Jesus really did do. Now... You can believe anything you want to believe. I'll listen to it. You can believe any, but, but I really believe that when we come to the Scripture, we have to be plain and clear of what Jesus taught the early disciples and what they were attempting to teach to us. Now, Second Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That is a divine, heavenly position. You can't do that. You can't measure up to that. You have to receive that when you're born again. He says, old things are passed away. Now, those old things could be your old sinful way of living, but I really believe what he's speaking here is the nature that you and I received when we were born, was Adam's nature. The Scripture's clear about that. It teaches that. And it says that Adam's nature was a sinful nature. You and I have, when we're saved, we receive a new nature. And when that takes place, the old Adamic nature is passed away. And it says then, behold, all things become new. You say, what does that mean? Well, it means when you and I are born again, we are given a new heart. We are set forth on a path of a new life. And uh, you and I have had the old Adamic nature. It's gone. You say, well, I don't believe it's gone because, well, we'll talk about that in just a minute. All this newness of life is from God who brought us back, redeemed him unto himself, of what Jesus did on the cross. Now look at Colossians 2, because I think it's important that you understand what Jesus did for you. Now, I'm reading this in the New Living Translation. And chapter 2, verse 13 says, You were dead because of your sins. And he and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. What does that mean? That means that the Adamic nature has to be cut away. How does that take place? Through what is called spiritual circumcision. The difference between the Old Testament of where they validated their faith by the law and by uh, physical circumcision, when it comes to Jeremiah 31, 33, it says that you and I have put away an old stony heart and we've received a new heart. We have become under the new covenant. We've become under a, a, uh, a spiritual covenant that was founded by Jesus. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of your sin. Listen to this. Is there one sin that Jesus didn't forgive? If there is Jesus a liar. He either forgave all your sins. You say, how do you know that? Because that's what the Bible says. He canceled, listen to this. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. Then he took them and destroyed them. How did he do that? By nailing it to the cross. To me, that is so clear. But some folk have a difficult thing. They just don't understand it. Because Jesus has canceled past sins, present sins, and future sins, what's that mean? He's forgiven all of them. Even the ones that you're going to commit today and tomorrow and the ones before he comes, they're forgiven. Now I'm talking about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten Son that whosoever believeth in who? Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. I want to ask you one question. What is the definition of eternal life? Forever. Well, how could it be eternal? Because Jesus developed a plan, and that plan could only be carried out by him. And that plan was to die on the cross and to nail every sin that you and I would ever commit and cancel the sin debt. Is that hard to understand? Now, it brings up some stuff like this, Romans 8, 1. Now, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power, Romans 8, 2 says, for the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us, Romans 8, 3, because of our sinful nature. But God put it into effect, put into effect a different plan. What was that plan? To give us a new heart. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 says, We have been made partakers of his divine nature. You say, Mike, what's that mean? That means if you claim to be saved, Jesus must be in you through a divine new nature. Before salvation, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 3 says, You were by nature children of what? Wrath. You weren't children of God before salvation. You were children of the enemy. You were children of Of the dark side. You say, well, that's not fair. I didn't say it was fair. I said, that's what the truth is. You die with the Adamic nature, and you're not a partaker of the divine new nature. I promise you'll bust hell wide open. You must be a partaker of the divine nature of God. Well, how do you do that? By receiving and accepting the free gift of salvation. Because that's Jesus' plan. For you see, God sent His own Son in human body like ours, except what's the difference between His body and ours? Ours is sinful. Jesus didn't have the, the damnic nature. Why? He was overshadowed by what when He was born. And Mary, the Holy Spirit. He he was given, Mary was given a divine spirit, a perfect spirit, and Jesus was perfect. You believe that? Because if you don't believe that, you can't be saved. You have to believe that the the sacrifice that was given and the sins that were nailed on the cross that Jesus took and forgave, he had the right to. Why? Because he was perfect. He could forgive all sins. Your sin. You say, well, what, did, what does that mean? That means that God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, we're not controlled as Christians anymore by the Adam's nature. You're not controlled by that. You've been positioned in the spirit life. You've been, uh, you've been positioned with a new nature, a new divine nature. You say, I've never heard this before. All you got to do is read the Bible because it's there. It's evident. If you, had, if you don't know that, you hadn't been reading the scripture because it's very clear. Galatians says, Well, now you say, Well, Mike, I, I want to understand something here. There is a struggle going on. You better believe it. There is a struggle. And that struggle is, is listed in Galatians five seventeen. Listen to this. The flesh lusteth against the spirit. What's that mean? It wars against it. And the flesh or the spirit warreth against the flesh. You and I. With this new nature, new divine nature, we're trapped in a body of flesh. This body is going to die. It's going to go back to the dust. Your body is unredeemed. You say, well, what in the world's going to heaven? Your new divine nature, who you are. Because you're either the descent of Adam or you're the descent of of the new plan, and that's the new nature in Jesus. You see, let's review. When we come into this world, we are born with a sinful, fleshly body, a body controlled by the world, by the devil, and with its own lust. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Read it sometime. Then one day you come to Jesus, Hopefully, everybody listening to me has come to Jesus. What's that mean? That you've allowed Jesus to be Savior and Lord of your life. That you said, dear Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I'm lost. I'm undone. And I need you in my life. You say, that's all you got to say? And mean it. Yeah. You don't have to prepare a long three-page draft prayer You just have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God by faith and that He is the Savior of your life, and He wants to be the Lord of your life. And He gave you that ability to do that because He gave you a new divine nature. Therefore, why do we have difficulty... After we receive Jesus, how many, of you, how many of you would really admit, since you got saved, you didn't realize there was so much sin in the world? And you know what? I hear this all the time. Man, I just give my heart and life to Jesus. I feel like a dog. I, didn't, I could sin before I ever gave my heart and life to Jesus. And I, I didn't get upset. I, I didn't feel bad. I didn't, I didn't feel under conviction. You want to know why you're under conviction now? Because you are saved. And because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, making you aware now of a godly conscience, godly conviction that there are still some flesh stuff hanging around. Well, Mike, what am I supposed to do as a result of being a real Christian? Well, look at it. You wonder if I was even going to get there. Chapter 3, verse 1. Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, he says, set your sights now on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the right hand of God in place of honor and power. Look at verse 2. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about the things here. On this earth, the first characteristic, the first mark of knowing if you're genuine, involves a higher plane. What does that mean? That means you and I are spend some time not thinking just about things on this earth. As a matter of fact, this morning at three thirty, my wife was woke up like I was laying there already uh, awake, and I said, "Where are you going?" She said, "I'm going to leave you alone so you can go back to sleep." I said. I won't be going back to sleep. For 3.30 until 5.30, I laid there in prayer. In my thoughts, I was getting Mike ready for today. And I prayed, Lord, I got nowhere anymore. I don't know who comes to church on Sunday anymore. But the ones that need to hear this, make sure they're here today. And I don't even, I, I can't call everybody. I don't have the number. But you are here today. I got news for you. It was okay with God for you to be here. Because you see, I spent three hours just praying. I don't have to begin confessing a lot of sin anymore. Not that I don't sin, but then the Father and I deal with that. But I used to worry, Lord. If I die with worry in my heart and I end up dying with that sin in my life, I'm going to bust hell wide open because I got a sin active and open in my life. I got news for you, my friend. There will always be one sin in your life open that you hadn't confessed before you die. You ain't that good. You just ain't that good. Jesus is. You know, his plan had to be faultless. His his plan had to be perfect. And the only way that we ever had a chance of ever getting to heaven is because Jesus took your sin, canceled the debt, and nailed it to the cross eternally. You say, Mike, you're allowing me to go do whatever I want to do. Oh, I would go talk to Peter first. Uh, Before you get that idea, I believe I'd go talk to Moses first. I I believe I'd talk to Samson, you that got all these lust issues in your life and you like sex outside of marriage and you just get all caught up in this. Go talk to Moses first. Well, that was the Old Testament. Just look at the consequences of what he did and what went on in his life. Talk to him. Read the book. I said I wasn't going to shout like that. What does this all affect when it comes to the Scriptures? Well, verse 1 and 2 talks about that we have new heavenly desires. Your thought pattern, your mind now ought to be set on the realities of heaven, not hell. Not human stuff just on this earth. You want to know why we worry so much? Because we don't cast all our cares on Him. We want those cares on us because we think we can do a better job. I got news for you. You ain't gonna make a mess of it. My greatest sin didn't used to be, but it is now. One of my greatest sins, and it's terrible to me, is worry. Because some of my prayer is comes in my life because of worries I have, worries I have over the church, or worries I have over the finances, or is that sinful? It's as sinful if I went out with another woman on my life. It's just as sinful. It's as sinful if I snorted crack cocaine, come up here and try to preach. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? I talked to the guys about this at Damascus Road, but I can't imagine when I was a teenager, because I went to church many a times, S-T-O-N-E-D, and, and, and when the preacher go to preaching, it'd blow me away. I mean, one thing you don't like to hear is a lot of hollering and fussing and, and a lot of preaching going on when you're stoned. And I'd sit there, oh, Lord. You know, I can't imagine. That is not a higher plane. That is a lower plane. A higher plane is when you come in here setting your mind on the things of heaven. The Scripture says that when you have let heaven fill your thoughts. Now, how can you let heaven fill your thoughts? And you never do You read read reading of the Bible during the week. How in the world are you thinking that you're doing that? Well, I sit and listen to a Bible study. That's not just letting heaven. It's a good thing to do, but that's not all. Man, you're supposed to be meditating on the Scripture. You're supposed to be spending time with God alone. You're supposed to be praying and sharing your life and your burdens and your victories with Him. Not just your spouses or your kids. This is a two-way street. Everybody's always looking for good things in life, aren't we? Well, friend, the good things in life are not found here on this earth, the Bible says. They're found in heaven. They're not found below. They're found above. Well, you say, where do you get that, James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. But I bet you 99.9% of 90% of our thinking is on heaven, I mean on earth human things. You know what? I never do get frustrated or worried about heaven. I think it does good on its own, don't you? You know, I've never had one worry about Jesus. I've never worried about the Father. Heck, I don't even worry about Satan. But I can tell this. I feel that in this house, there's a whole lot of worrying going on. But it has to do with human thought, human activity. Who am I going to marry? Can I keep her happy? Can I keep him happy? How am I going to afford it? What happens if I lose my job? Worrying on human things. Now, look, that's real stuff. And, And you and I need to understand that we are called to a higher plane. The Bible says, when we came to Jesus for salvation, we died. Some people say, well, why in the world are we we baptized? Baptism is a symbol of the death of Jesus. When you go under the water, you're dying to your old life. The Bible says, when you and I got saved, we died like Jesus died on the cross. And when Jesus was resurrected, we were resurrected when we come to him for salvation. Now, look, you can't do that in your flesh. you got to do that as a gift from God. He gives you that kind of position. He gifts you there. Yeah, you're going to battle with the flesh until you die because we live in flesh. Now, I'm not going to sit here and argue over is the flesh different than the sinful nature because I believe it is. I believe the nature came from Adam, but the flesh came from God. This body came from God, and it's in a fallen state, and that's why when you pinch yourself, you hurt. (laughs) Cut yourself, you bleed. You and I need to understand that we have heavenly desires, we've been heavenly delivered, and we have a heavenly destiny. What do you say? Well, what does that mean? That means you and I are going to heaven when we die. It's a promise. If you're saved, you're going to go there. The Living Bible translates verse 2 this way. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Spend, don't spend your time worrying about things down here. We're to keep our mind on the highest plane." Whatever things Philippians 4, 8 says are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, think on these things. Now, we have the ability in Christ to do that. But if we don't feed ourselves, now, there's a lot of you in here, and you're just as handsome and good-looking as can be. But, you know, some of us have had a few extra meals because we take care of these bodies. You don't starve your body, do you? Do you? I mean, in just a few moments, some of you are going to go gorge to death. It may be sin, but you're not going to starve your body, but we'll starve our spiritual life in a heartbeat and think it's okay. It's not okay. Because the Bible tells us that as believers we are of a higher descent. We live we should live on a higher plane. Our thoughts ought to be heavenly thoughts. Thoughts that are pure. Thoughts but now look, everything that's positive, Satan's gonna make sure he counters acts in your flesh. If you're not strong enough. What happens when you let your body go and you get weak? All of a sudden you start getting sick, start quivering. Understand that we have an obligation to make sure that we grow spiritually. Well, I did get one point out, didn't I? There was a pilot, and this pilot was flying an old plane. In this old plane, he was out over the ocean. He heard something gnawing. He heard something grinding, and he turned around, and it was a rat. And the rat was chewing the wiring system while he's flying his plane over the ocean. And he looked at that, and he says, oh, me, I'm in trouble. If that rat chews the wrong wire, I could crash. He had to come up with a plan. So, he decided, as he put his oxygen mask on, He pointed that plane straight up. He took it to an altitude where the rat died because of a lack of oxygen. Ladies and gentlemen, every one of you have rats in your life. Because of your flesh, some of you won't forgive others. Some of you sit here as bitter as bitter as could be today and tap on that, and you get so mad. Some of you are just jealous of other people. You have rats of jealousy, envy. Some of you have rats of lust in your life. What do we do with those things? What do we do? You go straight up. You point... Doesn't, is, is this true that a compass always points north? Well, you know what? If you're a genuine believer, we should always point up. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we be able, because we have been freed from the power of sin, shouldn't we be able to put to death some of those rats that are going to destroy you here on this earth? They're going to wreck your life. I'm working on Mike because I do. I'm a worry war. I believe I got that from my mama, and, and I can't give it back. And you know what I have to do? Mike, when I begin to worry, I go, Lord, you said don't think on these things. You said that if I give this to you, and if I trust you, you take care of me. You'll take care of this church. You'll take care of the people in this church. Because I represent, your hearts and mine. When you hurt, I hurt. You don't think that, but it's the truth. And I said, Lord, do I just want to carry this burden because I just want a burden? Or do I want to step over here and be blessed and let you worry about it? Because God ain't going to worry about it. He's just going to take care of it. If we would just let him. But if you don't, it's going to eat through the wire somewhere, and you're going to be affected. You're going to end up like me. I ended up in the doctor's office with a blown-out esophagus. I've been in the hospital because I had ulcerated out my stomach, ulcerated out my esophagus. You want to know why? Why? I'm a, I'm a, I am pastored and be in the hospital because I have an ulcerated due to worry. Now, what's wrong with that picture? Is that right? No. Sin. And don't say there's not consequences for sin because there is. There always will be. But remember this. If I die and I'm worried, I'm just going to quote the book. If he didn't nail my worry to the cross, now that doesn't give me a right to worry because I'm doing what I'm preaching to you. I have to at 3 and 4 in the morning, I go to worry and I said, God help me. My thoughts are overwhelming me. And I'm in the flesh. And I can't go preach in the flesh. I don't want to live a day in the flesh. I need you, God, to help me. Give my thoughts to you. Does that work all the time? Yeah, when I let it. <laughs> but then sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just carry the worry. I've seen preachers. I've seen people come around. Preachers, you look like there's something on your mind. Well, normally there is. And when when I'm not lighthearted, because if I'm too hard, uh, lighthearted, I become a nut. But. Most people have been around me long enough, and some of you have been around me long for 20 years. You know when I'm up, and you know when I'm down. And when I'm down, I'm worried. I have to practice this to keep and keep my sanity. And you better keep it as well. Point it up. <coughs> Think on heavenly things. Get your mind off the earthly and take some time and let God feed you, let God speak to you. There are times that I get in such a mess that I have to say, whoop, I can't see anybody. I have to retreat. I have to do like Peter. I got to go fishing. That's what he did. When I think about quitting, I just go fishing. When I come back, I'm renewed. Let's get it. I'll attack hell with a water pistol. Let's get it on. But about a month or two or three, if I'm not doing like I should be and letting God have all this stuff, I'm starting to drag again spiritually. I'm starting to feel the day. I'm starting to not sleep good, which I don't sleep good anyway. And I'm worrying again. Y'all looking at me like this ain't, is that going on in your house too? Maybe you've passed this on to me. I'm just kidding.